Hi, this is Catherine Lasota, host of LIC Reading Series, a monthly event that I founded at LIC Bar in Long Island City, Queens in April of 2015. In this week for our podcast, we're revisiting the last live event we had before the COVID-19 shutdowns. Now, this was an event that we had on February 11th, 2020, and it was super special because, well, for two reasons. We had four readers instead of our regular three, and all four readers are based in Queens. So this was a Writers of Queens night. I'm super thrilled that we were able to do this event in February. The writers that evening were Rosebud Ben-Ani, Rai Curtis, Safiya Jama, and Stephanie Jimenez. If you listen to the last episode, you'll hear the readings from this evening, and in this episode, you're going to hear the panel discussion. Now, also in the panel discussion at LIC Reading Series, of course, you're going to hear from the Magic Silver Box, which is a box that I ask our audience members to put questions into, and if I choose a question out of that box during the panel discussion, the audience member who asked that question gets a prize. So let's jump on in to the panel discussion from February 11th, 2020, our last, most recent live event. Never say never, guys. It's going to happen again. And in this evening in February 2020, we had Rosebud Ben-Ani, Rai Curtis, Safiya Jama, and Stephanie Jimenez. Let's jump on into that panel discussion. Hope you enjoy. Back up. But it's the same landmass, and I was taken back to Queens right away. 
Okay. <laughs> so it's like a birth certificate. Yeah, it's like technicality or something. You know, Queens is also the same landmass as Brooklyn. Yeah. So. Close, close enough. Close enough. What, what, what about Queens and writing? Okay, I'll, I'll go first. Um, so I, I don't think that I was as proud of the place that I grew up um, until I went to Medellin, Colombia. And I went there because my mother was born um, in Barranquilla, which is kind of far away, but Fulbright placed me in Medellin. Um, and, and I went because I think I had always grown up with this sense of I belong to a different place, right? Like I have this motherland and it's not America, it's Colombia, it's the place where my, my parents immigrated from, my grandparents immigrated from. Um, and then I actually arrived in Colombia and I realized that I was the most homesick that, I, that I'd ever been and that I really missed New York and that I was a New Yorker. Um, and it, made, it just gave me this appreciation of home that I had never really had before. Um, and that was when I started writing my novel. Um, I think to interrogate this place that I, I had this complicated relationship with, um, that I think a lot of people of color in America have with, with the US. Um, and, and that's what led to this book. And, and so now I, you know, I, I, I go around wearing my Queen's Pride a lot because I think it influenced so much of what I write about and just my understanding of my place in the world and my identity as both a writer and just a person in the US. Um, and thank you. And also before we move on, let me express my dismay as I was reading your bio. I was like, it's not, I'm not saying it right. It's Medellin, Colombia. Medellin. And we even have a friend who lives in, who lives in Medellin. And they left, yeah. Good choice. Right. Medellin, Colombia. Shame on you, Catherine, for botching that in the intros. I feel very bad. Uh, but we will move on. Who else wants to talk about Queens? And how it affects I have, a, I have a shocking disclosure in, in the name no. of <laughs> sort of like you, you sort of it was like this chip on your shoulder that you lived with all the time and um, and especially having gone to like a private school in Manhattan for um, seventh grade and up I went to the UN school um, so we would literally get bussed in a in a van um, Earl's van service would come and pick us up and we listened to like loud soul to soul WBLS, and it was like we were bussed into the city, and then so all my friends, you know, lived in Manhattan, and um, 
I'd like go run home to Queens. And if I wanted to socialize, I had to like have a friend who would let me, who would sponsor me, you know, in Manhattan. <laughs> so it was like a real like I love the I love that Queens is cool now, but it was not the case at all for a long time. So. If, if you have not read Stephanie's book, I think you have to, no. yeah. based on yes. the story of your life you just shared. Rosebud, Rye? Do you want to go first? Oh, no, you go ahead. No, please. <laughs> well, I have less to say specifically two years about is a, is Two years is a good amount. I mean, it, is. it is. I mean, I love the area that I'm in. I'm in Ridgewood. But, and, uh, but specifically for me, it's... It affects me by being able to be away from Texas <laughs> like that a lot because I often write about Texas-related things. If not based in Texas, I write about a character from Texas. So I, it's good to have that kind of distance from the place that you're always referring to within a project. And so, you know, it's kind of – I've always wanted to live in New York since I was a little kid growing up on a – cattle ranch in Texas, and I would think, well, i got to get to the city, and now that I am, I have a whole new kind of vision of the place where I came from, and I think that that is owed to this area. I think I need to hear more about you growing up on a cattle ranch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty extravagant. <laughs> the end. <laughs> But do you want to talk about Queens and your life as a writer? <clears throat> well, since he's not here tonight because he's working, um, I actually like to share a, a story that's probably going to make you weep a little bit, hopefully not. Um, so in 2012, uh, that was a real turning point for me with my relationship with Queens because I got diagnosed with a um, very serious autoimmune condition and uh, leading to that diagnosis, I just started dating a man, which is kind of new for me because I dated women most of my life, but I started dating this very sweet Canadian, he's from Canada, uh, by way of Hong Kong, and um, we were at the Kettle, which is on 51st Street in Sunnyside, it was our second date, and I managed to forget somehow that I was carrying around a gallon of my urine that I had to collect for 24 hours for, for one of the many medical tests that I was going through so they could make the diagnosis. And I was listening to him just talking, and I realized, like, I really like this person. Like, this is a normal, good human being. I'm not used to this. And suddenly I was like, listen, um, they think I have this thing. It's very serious. There's no cure. There's treatment. But, you know, it's very unpredictable. It cuts your life, like, very short, and I, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, I got to get out of here. And I go flying out of the copper kettle, which I'd been going to for years. It's a very Irish place. And the waiters are like, where is she going? You know, very dramatic. And he, I forgot my bag with the urine in, in the bag. And he comes out. We're standing under the seven train. And he's like, listen, when do you have to deliver this? Uh... And I said at seven in the morning, I have another blood test. And at the time, my arms were just like covered, right? Exactly kept taking blood, and so he stayed the night with me. I know, guys, whatever, okay, I'm human. Um, and we, he went with me from the 7 train, transferred to the 4-5, all the way to uh, the Upper East Side so I could have my thing at the Women's Health Center at, um, through NYU, all my tests. And 
he stayed with me every night after that. And he said to me, he lived in Brooklyn at the time, he said, I'm willing to move to Queens for you. <laughs> and then he said to me when I was like, listen, when I got my diagnosis, I was very depressed. And it just, it was like every, every year I go through something where I'm like, fuck, you know, like I don't want to live with this thing. Um, and he said to me on our fourth date, which was basically just in my bedroom, right? Um, he just said, I'm going to marry you but I'm not going to marry you on the seven train. He's like, I don't care how much you love it, Ian. And we got engaged in less than a year, and, you know, we've been together for, what is it, seven years now? So, but, yeah, he's not here tonight because he works very hard, and um, he just, he, when I think of Queens now, I, I think I finally found my home, but I really need him. So, yeah. It's a really sweet story. And, and I've, I feel like everyone kind of confessed something a little bit when they were sharing. So I'm going to go ahead and say that, uh, yeah, I didn't always live in Queens. And I moved here about six years ago for love. I lived in Brooklyn, and I had an apartment to myself. Don't ask me how I'd been in New York for like 15 years at that point. And it's, I'm telling the story, husband. It was two-bedroom, all to myself, it was a two-bedroom apartment in Fort Greene. It gets weight with a dishwasher. What? A washer-dryer in my apartment and a working motherfucking fireplace. <laughs> but I moved to Queens. Wow. Now I love it here. <laughs> Because Queens really is, uh, there's a lot of special things that have come into my life since not just my two babies, <laughs> but lots of things. So thank you for everybody for confessing things, including myself. Sorry. Um, so uh, I want to ask you another question that kind of has to do with identity, I think, because this is something I feel like all of your work touches on. And I, um, the, the tag name, Mata Rose, like this was in your poem, like yes. you referenced yourself in or, or an identity of yourself in your poem. And, um, you know, we have works up here like Stephanie's novel where Maria is kind of struggling maybe with who she is or who she wants to be. She's in different kinds of communities. And then and also in Rye, in, in your novel, Kingdom Tide, I think there's a real questioning of how do we define how we as a society react to certain people or like in what kinds of situations um, might we respond differently. So I wonder if you could each speak a little bit about if you think about um, how identities are formed or defined and, 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 and how that comes into your work. Everyone's thinking really hard. Everyone? for everyone. Oh. I mean, if it doesn't speak to you, don't feel free, like, you have to answer it. But I, I have a thought on that. Go um, for it. Because I, I feel that, you know, with my, uh, with my back, particular background, um, you know, as mixed-race black woman from, with, you know, of the diaspora, Somalia, and Irish Americans, um, I felt this burden initially to how to explain all of that to people. Uh, approaching my work, um, and I, for a while, I, I really kind of worried about it, um, and then I just, that's partly felt liberated by just putting in my bio, you know, 
that information and that kind of lifted a kind of burden off of my shoulders. Uh, and uh, so that's why I, I, my bio says, you know, Sabina Jamos, you know, whatever it says, you know. <laughs> my, my heritage is included in my bio. Um, and yeah, but I did have to write I had to write about my identity um, kind of to kind of to do that as well. Um, so I have poems that address address that particular my identities. Um, but yeah, it can be a, a challenge though when if one feels one has an identity that is complicated to explain, yeah. you know. Um, but it's it's part of the work. It's like, it's almost like a prompt, you know. Your identity becomes a prompt, and so it's, it's something to embrace. I think. Did you used to use a bio for yourself as a writer that did not include that particular information about? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I have some really strong feelings on this, and if anyone is also struggling with this, I want to at least get my two cents on it. Um, so I write also a lot about physics and chemistry because that's actually where I started in my college career was in theoretical physics and string theory. And I ended up getting pushed out at the time because it was very unfriendly to, to women who might be like Mexican-American and come from poor families. And I just got pushed out by my cohort. Um, so I became a poet. My parents were thrilled. <laughs> but I've, now I've returned to it because string theory is is falling apart, and I'm not happy about it at all. Um, anyway, so, you know, I write a lot about chemistry and, and physics now, and I have a number of people offer me opinions. It's almost always men. Sorry, guys, but, you know, it is. Um, it's almost always men, and they're always like, how do you, like, rectify your poems that are very serious about string theory and simulations and um, quantum, loop quantum gravity, I, I won't get into it, um, but like, and then these poems about like being queer and, and, and you know, being mataros and tagging and like K-pop, and I'm like, yeah, that's called having dimensions, fucker, like, but people get like really upset about it, like I had this one critic, like he got like upset with me, like he's supposed to be interviewing me, for, and I won't say, because I, you know, it was being recorded, I'm sure he's listening, he knows who he is, but anyway, he got like visibly upset after I won the Alice James Award, because he's like, oh, you know, can you send me a copy of your book, I'd like to review it, and I said, sure, and he's like, this is really intellectual, and I said, oh, thank you, he goes, and this, he actually said this to me in 2019, do you feel your Jewish side is the intellectual side, and maybe your Mexican side is the pause, colorful side? And I said, no, not at all. And I go, I don't think I want to talk to you anymore. And I ended the phone call, but this stuff is still happening. And so when we talk about identity, I tell my students now, um, you know, I, well, actually I tell them a lot of things, but I tell them now that like, it's okay to like, have all these dimensions of yourself where you look like thirsty in one photo and like a librarian in another. I don't know, you know. I mean, this is called, you know, this is called humanity and you're allowed to have these dimensions. You don't have to play a role, right? You don't have to play the stereotype for like, for lack of better words, like white male America. Sorry, I don't, I don't like to generalize, but that's in my experience being alive. Like that's just been the, the majority of those that have had an issue with like, 
me being intellectual, but also colorful. So I think, you know, identity is an act of will, and I think that it's complicated and messy, and that's, you know, it's great. So. Identity is an act of will. Yeah. I'm not even sure if I should ask Bri to respond. <laughs> right? Yeah, better not. <laughs> no, I, um, my, you know, my book uh, deals a lot with identity in terms of um, how messy it is because it is confusing for everybody to try and figure out who they are, essentially. But And always the world is constantly telling you to be one way to simplify it. I mean, it's as if we need to become simple so that language works. Everything has to just be easy to access for people to go on with their lives in the most basic way. But And so I think that that's kind of what is, I hope, terrifying about certain things in my novel is that people can be limited by other people and in turn themselves. And I think that for the main character in my book, she has to figure that out in the waning years of her life and uh, through uh, a, in a tragic catalyst, she has to come to understand that. So, yeah, I, that's probably how identity figures into my work. I think it's really interesting that you say that about the about having your heritage and your bio being liberating. I've never heard someone express that before. And I think it makes me think of like the function of the author photo as well. And <laughs> and like wh why it's there, right? And, and, and what it signals about you as a writer and, and what you uh, are touching in your book and what you're allowed to touch. Um, and I think it's complicated and messy and but I, I find it encouraging that there are ways to to navigate it in a way that isn't, you know, that doesn't always feel like it's a it's a burden to have to explain the text, and maybe it's as simple as putting something new in my bio. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, for the sake of time, I'm going to turn to the magic silver box. But while I'm looking there, I wonder because this idea of the author photo that made everyone well was that what made you go hmm. Ooh, mm. that was not a coyote. That was some kind of engine that went by. But um, do you, uh, if you all, if you each want to share some brief thoughts about how you feel about author photos, <laughs> why don't you do that while I uh, get the first question out of the magic silver box? Mine is simple. If you crop it too much, it looks like I'm naked. I should don't wear a strapless dress. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> I learned that the hard way um, because people are like, ooh, what kind of writer are you? And I'm like, no. Yeah, I, it's uncomfortable. Sorry, it's uncomfortable no, for me to do an author photo because I've never done it before and I had a hard time figuring out how I would do it because it's just, it's just an uncomfortable thing to have a little picture of yourself on <laughs> every little book everywhere. It's going to be, it's pretty strange. Everyone has to buy a book later so they can all look at everyone's authors. <laughs> yeah. I actually um, you might notice my hair has sort of gone silvery since my author photo that's on the poster was taken. I Sometimes I worry about it. Um, sometimes, but not that much. So, yeah. But I think about it, you know, about I guess, you know, I think about women and how we present ourselves, how we're supposed to present ourselves, and um, ageism, and 
all that stuff. Um, so it's interesting to think about. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm going to start dyeing my hair, but uh, it's it's something I think about. Like maybe I'll look more like my author photo, but you know. Um, I like what Rosebud said about, you know, uh, making, having room for all of our complexities and, you know, this, and that idea of simplification that Rai mentioned about, um, but, um, the idea that we have to brand ourselves in some monolithic way, it's very boring, so anything, any way we can disrupt that, I say, go for it. Love that. Um. And I think it's kind of, I don't know, I feel like there's more space, and maybe I'm just wrong and I'm romantic about this borough, but I feel like there's more space to not feel like you have to be in a certain box in Queens. Like, you know, it feels, it feels supportive of, of more complex identities, I feel, than some other places I've been in the city. Love you all, boroughs. I'm sure not everyone here lives in Queens. I'm just saying, welcome. <laughs> The best one. Okay, we're gonna dive into the magic silver box, metaphorically or literally, I guess. And um, we have to decide who's gonna get the first question, and this is how we do it here. I am thinking of an animal that has. This is gonna be really tough. Fur. <laughs> an animal with fur. You are each going to say an animal with fur, and whoever's closest to what I'm thinking of, sometimes we have to ask the audience to be the tiebreaker here, gets the first question. So uh, let's mix it. Rosebud, what's, a, what's an animal with fur? Coyote. <laughs> That's interesting. Stephanie. A rabbit. A rabbit. Sophia. How about rat? Coyote. Rabbit. Rat, right? Lynx. A lynx. A lynx, a rabbit, a rat, and a coyote. This is tough, you guys. <clears throat> I'm going to get up my props just so you know I was in line. I was thinking of, where are you? No, not that one. You have props. Oh, there you are. You are. You're hiding in the corner of my bag. A black bear. Oh, yeah, see? A little, I'm holding a little plastic back black bear up here. We like little plastic animals at the LIC reading series, FYI. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say not a rat. Um, rabbit, no. Uh, what do we got? Coyote and what was that, lynx? I think coyote and lynx maybe is, uh, I feel like there's a, what do you think? What? what Links, links because they're bigger? Okay. Uh, okay. Um, a black bear is not a cat. <laughs> but they're... The coyote is in the dog family. But... Okay, I don't know what's happening. But I'm just going to take a poll. Who thinks that a black bear is more like a lynx than a coyote? Raise your hand. Who thinks a coyote's more like a black bear? I, no, you can't vote. Sorry. 
Um, I think Lynx. Who had Lynx? That was Rye. Rye's going to get the first question. And because you've been such a good sport, you can have the black card. Oh, I keep this one. Yeah. First prize of the night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, no, don't worry. There's more. All right. So the asker of this question is going to get a gift certificate to, it says enjoy on the front. And I hope you do because it's a gift certificate to Sweet Leaf Coffee. There are now, I think, three locations in Long Island City for Sweet Leaf Coffee and one in Greenpoint. If you need to go across the bridge to Brooklyn, you can go to Greenpoint. So let's see. Let's get you a question, right? Let's see. Um, all right. <clears throat> oh, I just so many good ones in here. We'll start off simple. This is a two-part question, but it's a simple but two-part. Define your identity. No, I'm <laughs> the question is, favorite word in the English language and least favorite word? Who asked this question? Oh, oh. right. You get some coffee. Maybe one you really like and one you really dislike, but you can't think of a superlative. <laughs> it's worth it to get the bear. Um, well, you know, I would have to say I uh, I like the name. Or there, I keep coming across this word that. Well, I do a lot of dialect trying to research to try and figure out how the characters speak in the book, and then. Um, and, and there's this one word called, called honyakers that is kind of an offensive term for people in Montana. That, and they use it kind of – it's interesting to study because it's used for so many different reasons, and it changes all the time, and, and I'm still not quite sure what it means. So I'm pretty fascinated by that, but I put it in the book. And um, so I like that word quite a bit. I don't think it's my favorite. but And then the word I – dislike the most is probably juxtaposition because it's <laughs> widely overused to try and uh, create some kind of air of an intelligent person I think <laughs> and I've heard that quite a bit in college and I hate it <laughs> Juxt we just juxtaposed a lynx to coyote <laughs> make you squirm um, I love that you put a word in your book that you're like, not really sure what it means. Yeah, no, I thought, you know, I thought this just seems, I mean, I have an idea, and I know why she, I know why the character said it, but um, but I do like that it just changes after, you know, trying to figure out what it means in all these different context clues and the research is quite a bit of fun. Thank you for uh, kicking off the magic silver box portion there, Rye. You're welcome. Thanks for the bear. You're welcome, and guess what? You don't need to be in the running for the next one. I'm going to do another animal, because it's just, it's just, you know, we don't always do two animals in one evening, but I feel special tonight. And I'm thinking of an animal that has an exhibit at, sorry, I'm going to go to another borough, but the Bronx Zoo. This animal, you can find this animal at the Bronx Zoo. Stephanie? <laughs> Gorillas? 
Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> That's funny me. That's what I was about to say. I mean, uh, you could go with giraffe, and if it's giraffe, you share the question. Alright, I, I stand by my giraffe. So we have two giraffes and a gorilla. That's an interesting exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? What am I, what am I holding? Gorillas get applause. Um, should we should we give the gorilla to Stephanie? Yes. All right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. So um, guess what? The asker of this question, because I'm feeling extra extra spicy, is going to get. What do you think? A gift certificate to Sweet Leaf Coffee. <laughs> Enjoy. Okay. <clears throat> Stephanie. Question is, oh, I just have this word to go. So I want to ask you, who were you most anxious to have read your work? Who asked this question? Ah, nice one. Oh. Um, this is hard. <laughs> lot of people make me anxious. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think, I, I think that, um, probably my family, um, which I think is a typical response, like more so than like an editor or a reviewer or whatever. It's much easier to dismiss a stranger's opinion than it is your mom's. Um, just because she'll call you over and over again, and <laughs> you just can't avoid her. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I was I was nervous to share it with my family um, because I think I don't really I don't come from a family of writers in general. Um, I think that they're all creative in their own ways, but they're not. You know, I, I'm the first author in my family and the first writer in my family and the first person who would dare call myself that, I think. Um, so it was, it was very nerve-wracking to share it with them. And I was really heartened to realize that people are generally much... I think, I think your, your anticipation of how people will react to your writing is just always much worse than what it actually is. Um, and there were things that I thought would, like, maybe be offensive to people I knew. But the other thing I learned is that no one actually recognizes themselves in your book. Like, no one actually sees themselves, like, in your characters, um, unless you actually name them that. <laughs> but, but it's very, I think it's, it's, it's just easy to be in your own head and to worry a lot about how people will respond. And I've had just positive feedback from the people I love, which is good. That's wonderful. I, I would say maybe sometimes they identify themselves in characters where you were like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't you. That happens. That, yes. that happened to you, right? Yeah. It's, it's, my mom thinks she's everyone. <laughs> a very influential woman. I love it. Well, she probably is, yeah, right? She's, yeah. a, she's, she's a little bit everyone. <laughs> Get away from mom. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day.
Not yet. <laughs> Almost. Think about it. It's coming up. I'm a mom now. I like. I feel like pushing this. Okay. Uh, right. We are down to two people who need a question. We got Rosebud. We got Sophia. Um, we can't stop now. We have to do another animal, right? Oh, shit. And I think we're using up all the animals tonight. I might have to restock. Shit. Well, well, maybe we'll have some brought to us. We'll figure it out. These animals, P.S., these animals come all the way from northern Minnesota, from an outdoor supply store in the town where my husband grew up. For some reason, they also sell they sell ice fishing tents and guns and candy and plastic animals. You're welcome. I could have gotten any of those things for you, but I chose plastic animals. All right. Um, so, what? They sell car batteries? Okay, whatever. I have purchased pajama pants, though. So, Rosebud, Sophia, I'm thinking of an animal that lives in a cold climate, cold climate, cold temperatures. Polar bear. Well, I didn't say your name, but I guess you just went first, Rosebud. <laughs> That's fine. Hey, you're like, I'm going to get on this. No one's going to steal my giraffe. Rosebud said polar bear. Sophia? Baby polar bear? <laughs> you guys. I don't, I mean, I'm good. I'm, no. It's not the answer. I think we're going to have to go with the adult version, though, because it's a kind of a large animal. It's a reindeer. This is a reindeer, isn't it? Yeah, right? I think that's an Elsa. I mean, stop. I stop it. It's a reindeer. In my head, it was a reindeer. Am I going to get an animal? Yes, I saved an animal for you, Sophia. Don't worry. You don't even have to guess for it. You, right you, here. you can keep it. I feel guilty. Why? I, I want you to keep it for your children. Oh, I feel like they have plenty of things that are like they can lodge in their throats. Here you go. Okay. Is she giving us her children's toys? No. Everyone thinks, no. I, they, okay. These, are, right. not, these okay. are my toys. <laughs> okay. Not about elitism here at LSU. <laughs> All right. So, wait, this is one of Rosebud. Okay. <clears throat> I like this one. All right. I'm, well, it's a two-part question. I might just ask the first part. We'll see. Um, and the asker of this question gets, if I will find it, but I'm going to tell you what it is as I find it. It's a, it's a gift certificate. No, it's not. It's a sweet leaf coffee. It's to the Astoria Bookshop. It is good for in-store purchase. Take yourselves over to that fine bookstore in Astoria, please. All right, Rosebud. What's the strangest thing that's inspired you to write something? The part two, if you wish to answer, is what did you write and did it make its way into anything that you've shared, read, or published? But you can just you can go with the first part if you want. Um, what's the strangest thing that's inspired you to write something? Who asked this? All right, I'm going to find that gift certificate for you. I know this hands down. <clears throat> so this poem came out in Guernica. Um, I, I had, there was a period where I was getting my blood drawn a lot. And the nurse, like, she sat me the exact same way in the chair. She said the exact same things to me. She would always pause and go, oh, right, you're the one that needs the butterfly needle. 
And she did this, these motions every single time. So I looked at her and I go, you know, there's these rumors going around that we're living, living in a simulation. And she looked at me while my blood, I, was, I have like really bad veins, they're very tiny, so they like don't like to give blood. And so she's like poking around in there and she like stabs me accidentally when I say that. And she's like, well, what do you mean, dear? And I'm like, well, there's this theory, right, that we live in a simulation. Um, it can be a computer simulation. It can be a lot of different, we're a hologram off a black hole. And um, it was something that I studied um, in college and, you know, for, again, forsook for poetry, forsaken for, anyway. But um, it, it never left me that we might be living in simulation. And so she's looking at me and she goes, do you think that this is all a simulation right now? And I go, well, if you're part of the simulation, you're certainly not going to tell me, are you? And she goes, would I? And that inspired the poem that I was really wondering, like, if I'm some sort of program, because things, the events that, it, like, I've been in danger, like, multiple times in my life, like, really bad things have happened, and I always seem to get out by the skin of my teeth, and I was, like, sharing this again with the nurse the next time I saw her, and she's like, yes, that's very odd, isn't it? But she keeps, and I'm still seeing the same nurse, because I have to get my blood drawn every six months, I have to get an MRI, and it's the same thing. She does the same exact thing. We go to the same room, the same chair. She asks me the same thing. Oh, right, you're the one that needs the butterfly needle. So to answer the second question, no, every fucking strange thing that has happened to me has been in my work. So <laughs> <laughs> hands down, because I want people to know, you know, we might be living in a simulation. That's amazing. I have two reactions to that. One is that nurse kind of really, like, has a lot of fun with her job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she does. And the second is, if you've been in danger many times and you're still here, is it the same you? No. Or is it, it's your reboot? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've been rebooted many times. For sure. Well, enjoy your elk reindeer. It's an elk. <laughs> All right. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. We're not even sure what some words mean, so maybe elk <laughs> means reindeer in some cultures. <laughs> says Gus. Okay, fine. It looks like the reindeer in these movies that we end up watching with our son. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, it is a reindeer. <laughs> You're right. Wait, are you fucking with me? No, she's right. She's right. Okay, sorry. I don't know what's happening here, but I will take it. Okay. Simulation. <laughs> Good God. We're on to our last question. And um, because you have waited so patiently for this question, I'm going to give you, Sophia, a Beautiful dough. Wow. It's so sweet. It's a very sweet animal. Um, just like Bambi. our evening. Very sweet. Very sweet evening. Okay. The asker of this question, the, someone asked two, two questions, and I'm only going to give you one of them because they're unrelated. They were just like banking on like, I'm going to put in a couple in there, you know? Um, and the asker of this question, because it's, the final question of the evening. It's a really baller prize. It's another gift certificate, but it's a gift certificate to a restaurant a couple blocks up the street. Same owner as this bar called The Gantry. Yummy food, yummy cocktails. Their kitchen, I think, is open till 11. So you could skip out and get some food or come here again, get dinner before the show. All right, here's your question. And I would, I would encourage you to think about this in terms of your upcoming chat book. Question is, Get, get how relevant this question is. 
if your book, I'm going to grammar correct the question, sorry. If your book were an animal, what would it be? Who asked this? <laughs> Who asked this? All <laughs> oh, right, you get a gift certificate. Sorry, I'm, a, I'm an editor on the stage, I guess. Okay. That's my boyfriend. I told you there are no writers in my family. <laughs> Damn! Everyone's going to have fun later. <laughs> All right. I feel like I'm in a 1950s quiz show or something like the animal. Um, it's interesting. Um, there are a lot of animals in in my homes and in particular in this particular collection um, that's coming up in May. Um, so there's so many to choose from. Um, it's so hard. Um, it's a menagerie. Really hard question, but menagerie, yeah. Yeah, let's put our all of our animals together. <laughs> like my animal is a menagerie. <laughs> Right, um, and actually, there I have a poem actually called "My Brother's Menagerie." Um, it's online; you can read it at, over at Wildness. Um, and so, um, but I will say that uh, it would have to be a horse. I think, um, like Rosebud, I, horses are dear to my heart. I'm also kind of afraid of them, um, and uh, and so. Going back to the menagerie, um, have any of you read or remember um, the Tennessee Williams play? Um, the Glass, Glass Menagerie, thank you, The Glass Menagerie. And so I think my, my animal would be a horse that used to be a unicorn, but it lost its horn. Whoa. <laughs> but don't tell anyone, because it's a secret. Okay. Uh, even though this is being recorded. Uh, so thank you for that question. That was amazing. You guys, can we give a big round of applause to this menagerie of writers? Yes, right. Stephanie, Rosebud, Sophia, thank you so much. We are not going to be here next month. As I say, we're like stepping back a little bit. We have our podcast every week. Check it out. Subscribe. LSE Reading Series. But we're going to be back in April because we're turning five. Everyone knows when you have a birthday, there is motherfucking cake. So come, Bye. eat cake, stay, buy a book, get your book signed, have fun. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Pepper. That's today's show. If you like what you heard, tell a friend or leave a review wherever you found us. Special thanks to LIC Bar, the Astoria Bookshop, and our amazing intern, Nadine Santoro. A big thank you to our sponsors over the years, LIC Corner Cafe, Sweet Leaf Coffee, Court Square Diner, and the Gantry Restaurant. This episode was recorded by Carl Jacob and mixed and edited by Justin Alvarez. Our theme music is by Pat Irwin. The LIC Reading Series is made possible in part by the Queen's Council on the Arts with public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. I'm your host, Catherine Lasota. See you next time in Queens.